bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. I am indeed, and I am your host, and I'm delighted to be here today. You're listening to Waking Up in America. We're a radio magazine for an intelligent world, so come be a fly on the wall with us and listen to our conversation with Willie Nelson today. Some of you are going to love it, and some of you are going to hate it, but I'll tell you something. There's something very true about this man and his music and his heart, and we'll find out what happens for you today as you hear Willie Nelson talking about biodiesel, um, Willie Nelson with a good song, which you can go to our website and you can play it. We'll also be playing it on the air today. So uh, I'm just excited to have this gentleman of controversy and excellence on our radio show, and I'm also delighted to be surrounded by um, radio editor Cherie Ross, who incorporates the essential oils. Uh, we have um, uh, we have a sponsor named Will Baxel, who actually portrays Will Rogers and does a fine job of it. We have Debbie Ringchop, our doctor for money. We have Gail Ellen starting out with Beauty and the Arts today. We have Lisa Molson, who's an American Indian and uh, an amazing conversations for blended families. And we have myself, Val Kirkgaard. I'm a doctor for money. I'm a doctor for money. I think I need the doctor for money sometimes, Debbie. Um, I actually do editor's comment. We have JJ Version, who does health issues. What we're, we have guests from all kinds of fields, all the way from Mark Spitz to, uh, to nutritionist Marcella Von Harding to Carol Channing, and today we have the pleasure of having Willie Nelson with us. Elegantly understated Bob Costa of the Home Shopping Network said, we're doing radio that will change the world. And when I think about that, I think we're actually doing radio that I hope it will get your blood running. I hope it will get you into action. Because when we get into action, some amazing things will happen. If you happen to hear a dog barking, a telephone, something of that nature, know that we're calling in from our homes and offices all over the world to have this program happen. So sometimes strange things happen. Uh, one of the things that you want to be taking a look at is our website, which is wakingupinamerica.com. There you're going to find the race for the rainforest. If you click on one of those three things each day, you'll save 7.4 square feet of either American prairie, ocean, or marine or marine territory or wetlands. Okay, so what you want to do here is make that a thing that you do for yourself every day because if everybody in the United States did that, our planet would be green and sponsors will match you. You can go to you can go to our website and you can find a lot of interesting things there and you'll see Willie's picture and also some very interesting bio information that we will um, I think you'll be very interested in what he's been up to. He's actually here because he's a friend of Dennis Weaver's and he's a friend of the colonomics. Now, we haven't made a colonomics a very big word yet, Willie. But I was wondering maybe if you could hum a few bars of the song where we could turn a colonomics into the honoring of Dennis Weaver and also the honoring of what needs to be done in the world today and, and the biofuels and all the other things that are happening. So I don't know how fast you write music, but 
<laughs> well, I'd like to say that I, you know, I'd like to think that I could come up with something really appropriate. But you know, Dennis Weaver uh, was a great friend of mine, and uh, I was always you know admired his acting and uh, everything that he did professionally. But also, uh, his heart was really in the right place when it came to uh, America and values. And uh, uh, he spent a lot of time and a lot of money on. Uh, trying to figure out ways to uh, preserve uh, energy in this country and figure out ways to use biodiesel, ethanol, and uh, he made some wonderful progress. And his friend Peter, who I've been talking to, and you, you too, has really carried on in a great way, and uh, uh, I'm just proud to be involved with those folks in any way that uh, I can help them. I'm going to love it because Peter and I independently got cloud hats. I bought my McLeod hat, the dress McLeod hat, at an, a benefit auction, and Peter just walked over to um, Dennis and said, "Can he, I have this hat, I like it, which was McLeod's working hat. So you have two sheriffs of Taos here. Jerry Weaver said to me when I was wearing the McLeod hat, she says, tell him to sit down and pay attention, Val. <laughs> and I am. I'm going to tell you to sit down and I'm going to tell you to pay attention because some very important stuff is happening on our planet at this time. And if we don't deal with it right now, Willie and I were discussing this morning the gases that are coming up, the ocean floor and such, and also in the tundra. These things are already happening. They're already here on the planet. We're not here to scare you, okay? We're here to let you know what's happening and to tell you how you can participate in making this very different. So, You know, it's kind of like Al Gore's uh, movie that we were talking about. Uh, there's enough things in there to scare you to death, uh, but we just, you know, can't let that happen. But we do have to face up to reality here. Yeah, and the reality is if you saw the polar bears in that film that were actually drowning because they couldn't get to, um, they couldn't get to ice, the ice for them to walk around on, yeah, and that's not the future. That's now. And now it's happening right now as we speak. Right now as we speak, poisonous gases are being released through the tundra simply because the permafrost is no longer there. That's happening. Any disbeliever can take a boat or a plane or swim and get up there and take a look at what's happening. See it for your own eyes. You're not okay, Val, now just, let's just consider that everybody out there said, okay, we get it. Uh, then now what do we do? Uh, what do they do? But, well, one of the, first of all, hydrogen is more available than anybody knows. It's really easy. I was the hydrogen car drive director in 2001, and I keep listening to how we can't afford to produce hydrogen. Well, we can, and I'm going to have that guy on the radio soon. But you've done something really special with the, bio, with the, with the biofuels, and I was wondering if you could tell our audience about the biofuels. Well, you know, it's one of those things where uh, it looked like I was uh, leading the parade here, but, uh, you know, the, they say that a good leader, uh, he sees a lot of people run in one direction and he jumps in front of them. So uh, that may be what I did. My wife came to me about three years ago and said, I want to buy this Volkswagen uh, that uh, runs on vegetable oil. It's a Jetta. And uh, I said, well, you know, uh, okay. So she bought it, and sure enough, it ran well. It still does. I bought a Mercedes. Uh, I put it on vegetable oil. I've been driving it for years now. Uh, you get good gas mileage. The motor runs good. And I started talking about it to, uh, uh, I put it in my buses and trucks out here on the road, and the word got around. And the next thing you know, there are people talking about biodiesel and ethanol. 
and uh, it's a little it's a something that has grown. And the reason that it's growing is because it's a, not only a great idea; it's a very necessary idea because we've got to start using alternative fuels, hydrogen, you know, uh, wind uh, turbines, biodiesel, ethanol, anything that. And the first diesel engine, by the way, was designed to run on peanut oil. So it's not a huge discovery. It's just a matter of uh, getting knowledgeable and uh, finding out what we can do to help the situation. Just for for historical purposes, what kind of mileage are your um, are your are your vehicles getting on this oil? And also, what year did this first start happening? As far as you know. Well, I found out about it over in, in Maui, where I live now, and uh, there is a business over there that uh, I think they've been doing it for a long time. It's just uh, I've been way behind. But where they go around to all the restaurants and they clean out the grease traps and they take all this back and recycle it and take out the detergents and uh, put it right into the diesel cars and trucks. And uh, that's what I've been using and on, when I'm in Maui. Now, out here on the road, we use different things. We try to There's soybeans that you can use, and uh, there's a lot of places around the country that will load up soybean fuel in their pickup trucks and bring it out to you and put it in our buses and trucks. Uh, a lot of young farmers out there are knowing about it and really uh, stepping up to the plate and doing something about it. Now, you actually have a radio show, show on XM Satellite, right, where you're talking to people that are on the road? Yeah, I just got off the air a second ago. Uh, it's on XM Radio Channel 171. Bill Mack uh, has a program there. And every Wednesday I, I do an hour and we talk to the truckers. And 99% of the conversation is about biodiesel. And uh, they are really excited about it, trying to find it, trying to tell everybody else about it. So if I'm buying a gallon of biodiesel, what is that going to cost me? Well, if you're over in Maui, it'll cost you about a dollar less than what you would pay for a regular gallon of diesel because we import all our, over in Maui, all our uh, oil and gas over there. So now if you're over in California, it's probably about the same these days. Down at, uh, we had a truck stop that we were close for, we are rebuilding it down there, and we made it a point to keep our biodiesel uh, one penny below whatever the diesel was selling for up and down the highway. That's and uh, so everybody's trying to compete with the diesel prices. Now, is the mileage difference between regular diesel and biodiesel? Uh, my truckers tell me and my own bus drivers tell me they get better gas mileage, the engines run better, and uh, the... Uh, in the case of my cars, the tailpipes smell like French fries. I tell this joke about, uh, you know, they ask me how is it safe or not, and I, I tell them about the time that I passed out in my car in the garage with the door closed and the motor running, and I woke up the next morning and I gained five pounds. Yeah, I was going to ask you for gaining weight driving these cars. <laughs> tell you. Well, you know, it was interesting because, I, of course, you know, when I hear something's great, I always want to know, like, are there any problems? So I was reading on your Internet, and I thought, what interesting problems these are. One of them is biodiesel, over time, softens and degrades certain types of um, elastic or natural rubber components used in older fuel hoses. So it sounds to me like it's time for an update, you know? Well, true, and uh, I was uh, 
I took and took care of some hoses on some of my vehicles the other day because uh, they were the older models with rubber hoses. Eventually, they will have to be replaced. You can replace them now when you buy your vehicle, or, or I mean, your old. If you start using biodiesel in it, you can replace them now, or you can wait a while. And eventually, you'll have to. But that's the only modification that's necessary. Well, that's really interesting because with hydrogen, one of the things that happens with the hydrogen cars, and by the way, um, BMW has some outstanding ones. I've I've gone for tools in them. Um, with the hydrogen cars, they actually clean the atmosphere and they and they produce water through the tailpipe rather than noxious fumes. So there, I have a picture of Jay Leno drinking water out of the tailpipe of a hydrogen car. What I found interesting in your information is the fact that it actually cleans your fuel injectors, right? Yeah, and another uh, a funny thing happened toward me the last Thanksgiving. Uh, my good friend uh, Robert King and his wife came over for Thanksgiving dinner, and he's the guy who introduced me to biodiesel in the uh, uh, restaurants and the, the, the grease traps and everything. So we cooked turkey outside that day, and uh, he had his little apparatuses there, and uh, whenever we got through eating our turkey dinner, he took that turkey and made biodiesel out of it, put it in his car, and drove it home. <laughs> that's pretty terrific. Yeah. That, that's a, really an amazing thing. We've actually got a lot of people here on the team that I know would like to um, make a comment on what they've heard so far or ask you a question, Willie. Sure. And um, I'd love to give them the opportunity to do that right now. And I know that um, Cherie Ross has a hot conversation uh, from the past. So, Cherie, um, what, what do you want to say or ask Willie? Cherie, Hello? are you on mute again? Hello? Uh, well, let me try the doctor. Well, I'm going to jump in here. Um, this, this is Gail Willie. Willie, I wanted to ask you, you know, like myself, I'd be very interested to get my car converted like this, and I'm just wondering what would it take and how much would it cost and what would be my first step in doing it? Well, first of all, any kind of diesel automobile that you have needs no conversion. You just put it in there, and if you can run a tank of biodiesel for one time and then tank a regular diesel the next time, so there's really no uh, modifications necessary. The only thing that, you know, Val and I were talking about was the uh, rubber hoses on the older equipment. Okay. So oh, and in, in using that vegetable oil then, um, would there be a, something I'd have to do? No. Uh, you, in fact, there are folks that I know who have come to me telling me several different stories about how they have restaurants uh, that are, or they eat and they take in a, uh, a container and that restaurant will let them, that will give them the, uh, the grease trap, uh, and, uh, they take that home and they strain it and they put it in their, uh, automobiles and drive it. So, uh, there's a lot of ingenuity going on out there and, you know, they say that, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. These folks are out there really inventing ways and using ways to, uh, grow their own fuel. Right. Oh, that's great. We're going to take a little break here for, um, I want to have the opportunity to have our, one of our sponsors who is actually the man who, who has taken on extending the humor of Will Rogers. And I'd like to hear that MP3 version right now of what Will Rogers Roberts has to say to us. Now all I know is what I read on the Internet. 
Well, this week, the circus is in town. The media circus. And the big stories, an animal, a vegetable, and a mineral oil we pay too much money for. Now, media folks are not all the bland, no, sir. After all, you have to read it before you believe it. Now, the media has more power than any politicians. They're able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. They can start a war one day, ruin a career the other, and be back for the evening edition before you form your opinion. Now, media types are not all the same, no, sir. Newspapers, the pen is mightier than the sword. Unless the sword was used in a crime. TV news, hash, rehash, and hash again, and anyhow, uh, tabloids. They keep a tab on all of our untouchables in Hollywood. And when they get done, no one wants to touch them anymore. My plan is, if you want to keep the media away from your event, send them a press release. Title it Nonprofit, then subtitle it How to Make People's Lives Better. They'll surely not attend. And then pray that you don't have an accident at your event. Now, go to my site, willrogersusa.com. And there you go. That's what Will Rogers had to say, and hopefully you guys will Google Will Rogers and find out what amazing guy he was. He, he was a roper who talked to people, both Republicans, Democrats, and independents, and found such a way to talk to people that he actually was engaged in relating to five presidents. So there you go, Will. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Also want to say that Roberto's Bungalows in San Pancho, Mexico, is a really great, neat place to stay, and you'll love your host, Steve and Diana Cooper, and you can go and visit them at robertosbungalows.com, and you'll check this out. You'll find this one of the special treats of San Pancho, Mexico, along with what's happening there with real estate. That's a pretty cool thing. So hey, we're about. I'm actually in, online as well if you want to ask a question at all. <laughs> so we got you right here. I got one more ad, and then you can ask a question, Will. Oh, good. Okay. I just want to know whether or not it changes your No, no, no. I have to do the ad first. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> I got. This is what keeps us all going, you know. I have a race for the rainforest, and it's, it's an ad for the planet, actually. It's an ad for your future. It's an ad for your children. You go to wakingupinamerica.com. You go right over there and you click on the Race for the Rainforest. You, you pick one of those three choices that you have. You can do this once a day, and at the end of the year, you'll have saved over 2,000 plus something of rainforest or prairie or marine wetlands, whatever you want. So hop over to wakingupinamerica.com. And do that right now. And then we have Will here to ask a question of Willie. Oh, actually, Will. kind of just a comment. Uh, by the way, it's very nice to meet you, sir. And, Thank you, you know, very much. And uh, just, a, just a little comment here is, is that I can imagine if we can get this thing going in full force, we'll have a, a whole new meaning to the A&W drive, and you can get your food and also get your, your fuel for the next 50 miles. Great idea. I know it is, you know. Actually, Willie, I used to own a restaurant, and one of our biggest problems was what We're to getting do. Getting rid of the grease. You get, because you only can use it for a certain number of days. Yeah. And, and, then, and then it becomes part of the landfill and really causing problems somewhere. So you take something that could be a problem and you turn it into a solution. So One, Wonderful idea. Yeah, I think so, too. So is Cherie here yet? Yes, she's here. <laughs> Good. Cherie Ross, Mr. Nelson, I believe you had a question or comment or two to make with this gentleman? Yes, really. I have a thank you, actually. In the early 1980s, um, I was at a conference in Las Vegas, and one of the evenings we were done at the business conference, so my girlfriend and I decided to go see you in concert. And the concierge escorted us right to one of the tables, right up against the stage. And what you did, and I'm sure you, you, there's no way you could remember this because of all, all the thousands of, of concerts that you do, but you stepped right off the front of the stage, 
stepped right onto our table, sat down cross-legged right in front of me, and you sang a whole set to me. And then I'm what glad you I did, did that. And, yeah, then what, and then what you did is when you were done, you grabbed my hand, you kissed my hand, and then you stepped back up on top of the stage. And I now finally get to personally thank you for that. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> it was amazing. So I just can't tell you thank you enough. And then my quick, quick question is, what does this do to the air? When the emissions come out of your car, what does it do to the air? I'm sorry, what would say that again? Your, your, the fuel, the biodiesel fuel. What happens to the air? Well, the, uh, the, the honest truth is that it reduces the, uh, uh, the CO... Uh, Carbon dioxide. The NOx, the NOx factor uh, reduces it by uh, a whole lot. Uh, some figures that I heard last year was that we had used like 350 or 75 uh, million gallons of biodiesel, and we had reduced the uh, NOx effect in the air by one million uh, gallons or something like that. So uh, it does reduce the environment. It uh, takes out a lot of the negatives in the environment. It's good for the environment. It's good for the farmer. Uh, it's just good for everybody. That's amazing. Where can people get biodiesel at this point? Where are they going to find the trucker stops? Is that where they get it? I was just talking to some folks who uh, there is a you can call eight six six biodiesel that breaks down to eight six six two four six three four three seven, and these folks have uh, maps that tell you where you can find it uh, anywhere in the United States. So, Debbie, did you have any questions? I certainly do. Hi, Willie. I'm looking forward to going to your hometown of Austin. That's coming up in a couple weeks. That'll be fun. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, too. I think we're playing a a big concert down there. Is that the one you're coming to? Uh, No, actually, I was going there for a financial business, and um, maybe I'll have to look up and see if your concert's going on right on the days I'm there. There you go. I'll be there. All right. Cool. (laughs) Well, I got more out of this call already, right there. <laughs> I get to see in person, maybe. Um, I was curious how you how do you work with unleaded vehicles? Do they just you, basically they can't be converted? Well, for uh, cars who are burning gasoline, there's ethanol, and there are some states who now require a certain. A lot of the states require a certain amount of ethanol in all gasoline, and uh, uh, that's going to increase uh, over the you know as people find out more and more about it, and uh, more and more corn can be grown, and uh, uh, it's another, you know, like in Texas, uh, we grow cotton and corn, and um, we used to have to eat it and then feed it uh, to our animals, but now we can make fuel out of it, and it's really not that new an idea, because back before Prohibition, ethanol was like 25% of the fuel and energy sold in this country, Uh, the other 75% was standard oil. Uh, and then a little known fact is that when uh, ethanol became that popular and the farmers were growing it and making it on their own farms with their uh, uh, apparatuses that were also called stills because they also made corn whiskey. <laughs> so uh, now then, it was a problem. So what did Standard Oil do? It dropped their prices so far that it put the ethanol people out of business. At the same time, they passed prohibition that made it illegal to have a steel. So 
they not, you know, they, as they will say, and go, they got stoned and killed two birds. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. So no one really cared about the drinking so much as they wanted that farmer to quit growing his own fuel. Oh, I totally get it. Now it would seem to me that as the public gets behind this, as it will have to as with what's happening in the planet, that it's also going to be a boon for our farmers who have been suffering for years from the mega farms. Is that Absolutely. Well, that's a very exciting, a very exciting thing there. Yeah, and what I'd like to see is uh, out in the countryside, wherever you see a cotton gin, you would also see a biodiesel plant. Wherever you saw a corn sheller, you would see an ethanol plant. That way the producers around there could uh, really start making a little sensible money out of what they do. Well, you know, we have a lot of our waterways have been poisoned by the byproducts of the oil refineries yeah. and such. Would not the ethanol refineries actually be contributing or not? Am I just shooting in the dark here? Wouldn't they, the ethanol plants be contributing to the to, to what now? Wouldn't they be a clean emission rather than a polluting emission? Yes, the same. Basically, the same things apply to the ethanol as just the biodiesel. It's uh, it helps. Uh, that's why the, all these states are. It's mandatory that you use a certain amount of ethanol in your in your regular gasoline because it does reduce that effect. So if we had a huge biodiesel spill in the middle of the ocean, nobody would be harmed, right? Uh, the fish would get a feast. That's what I was thinking. So it's like we really have to turn our, our thinking around, and we actually have to take action and start making demands. Now, in talking to Willie, I asked him if he had a song that he thought was um, relevant to what's going on today, and he said he had, by the way, written one. We have we have the song on the website, and we also are going to play that song now. So, um, Ryan, take it away. Things going on in the world. Babies dying, mothers crying. Mothers crying. How much oil is one human life worth? And what happened to peace on earth? We believe everything that they tell us. They're gonna kill us. We better kill them first. But I remember a commandment Thou shalt not kill How much is that soldier's life worth? And what happened to peace on earth? And the bewildered herd still believing Everything we've been told from our birth Hell, they won't lie to me not on my own damn TV But how much is a liar's word worth? What happened to peace on earth? So I guess it's just two and the other Before they can do it to you Let's just kill them all And let God sort them out 
Is this what God wants us to do? And the bewildered are still believing Everything we've been told from our birth Hell, they won't lie to me Not on my own damn TV But how much is a liar's word worth? What happened to peace on earth? Don't confuse caring for weakness Can't put that label on me The truth is my weapon of mass protection And I believe truth sets you free we will still believe in everything we've been told from our birth. Hell, they won't lie to me, not on my own damn TV. But how much is a liar's word worth? What happened to peace on earth? Matters might like to ask Willie um, question herself. 
Hi, Willie. It's Lisa Molson. How are you? Hello there. How are you? I'm just fine. I'm from Northern California. My mother was a tribal chairman and actually had a chance to have dinner with you one time. I think she was with uh, James Gardner and, her, and yourself at some point. But in any event, I'm I'm Yurok from this area, and I'm so glad. I understand that you're Native American, or you have some. Uh, yes, I am. I have a, a you know some Cherokee blood that I'm very proud of. All right, great. Well, I'm glad to see somebody out there doing this kind of work. I was just wondering. How 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 fast is this biodiesel thing taking off? I mean, is there is there a lot of? Um, I mean, I know that you probably brought a lot of um, a focus to it and put a spotlight on it uh, through your efforts and your fame. And I'm glad to see the people like yourself that are taking that fame and being able to do good things with it. But what what's the impact? How I mean, is the, is it catching on? Because I I've heard about it, but I've never been in a place or I've never seen a place where you know to to do it. Um, to, to fuel up that way. Well, you know, I've, I learned about it uh, only a short while ago myself, and I can, you know, and then I started checking up on it, and I found out that it had been around for a long time, that the original diesel engine was designed by Rudolph Diesel to run on peanut oil, and then I found out that he disappeared mysteriously on a boat to England to sell the idea to some folks over there. So uh, I'm not surprised. You know, I also read uh, The Creature on Jekyll Island, and there's so many uh, interesting things in there uh, that uh, so many things have happened in the past that we are not aware of. But uh, the fact that we can now grow our own fuel and that the farmer can benefit from it, the environment can benefit, and you and I can benefit from it because uh, we can run vegetable oils in our cars and our trucks. We can run corn and ethanol and uh, uh, sugar cane in our cars to make, uh, you know, uh, Brazil has uh, shown us a way to go. They have already become independent as far as energy is concerned. They're growing their own down there, and uh, the sugar cane and the uh, the ethanol and the biodiesel that they have come up with has made them just pretty much uh, an example that all of us should look at and say, it worked there, it'll work here. Yeah, I think what's interesting here too, Willie, is when you take a look at the electric car and how thoroughly that was eliminated uh, from our culture, and the reason behind that was is that there was actually, it needed very few repairs. So oil and automobile industry has a huge investment in holding things the way they are, because they will lose money and they're not needed in the same way that they were needed before. The, all of the automobile companies, will lo- they're afraid they'll lose their service departments. I say they can be busy creating other things. Oh, without a doubt. So would you care to comment on that? What is that question again now? The question is, can you comment on what you know about the... Um, the automobile industry and war, the, the, I started to say war itself, the oil companies themselves, I believe that their energies can be diverted to other things, that they don't, it doesn't have to be a loss for them. No, and I know a lot of people in the oil business that I talk to all the time. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm with a company called Biofuels, who their uh, parent company is Apollo, uh, which is huge into uh, gas and oil. And uh, those folks realize the same thing we do, that, uh, uh, you know, I was talking to one guy, I won't mention his name, but he said, I've got six kids. I'm, every night at the supper table, the dinner table, we sit down and we talk about gasoline and oil because that's the business that was uh, feeding us. But he said, I'm older now and I've got six kids. I'm concerned about the environment also. And I know 
you know, what uh, diesel and biodiesel, I, mean, I don't know what diesel and gasoline are going to cost in the future. All those guys are seeing it, uh, you know, going to 3 or $4 a gallon pretty quick. And uh, they're ready to figure out ways to blend uh, diesel and ethanol into what they're doing. So they're not completely closed-minded on this thing. Well, you know, um, I've got um, Cherie Ross here, and we were actually discussing another issue this morning, which I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but the forests of Colorado are supposedly doomed because of this little beetle. Have you heard about that? No. Okay, well, I wanted to um, actually have Cherie talk to you a little bit about what's going on with the, the beetles and what's been happening, and they actually... When you read the newspaper, it was a huge article in the L.A. Times yesterday saying that basically Colorado was doomed, that all their trees would be dead and gone within a very short period of time. And so Sheree and I were talking this morning, and I said, I don't believe that to be true. I think that's part of the misinformation we have. What would happen to those little beetles? So, Sheree, I was wondering if you could talk and let Willie know about these little beetles and what's going on with the forest. Certainly. Um, they go after the fir trees, so all types of fir trees, and um, they're little beetles, and they have to be, once they get to a point, what I'll call the tipping point, that means the point of no return, and I, I spent a lot of time up in the mountains in Montana, and the forester up in Montana said that, that Montana took action immediately and took it very seriously, and they actually used some natural components to get rid of the beetles and manage them and keep them under control. And what's happened in the Rocky Mountain National Forest in Colorado is that um, Colorado didn't act quick enough and whole sides of mountains are now barren from the trees because the beetles have completely destroyed all the fir trees. And uh, once they do get going, you can't stop them because there's, there's just they get to a point of critical mass where they can't be stopped. And so that's um, what Val is speaking to. So yeah. is, it, is it really true they can't be stopped? I mean, is Colorado going to lose all its trees, or can well, they still do something? You know, the, the, right now you have to use the tool to fit the job. Right now it's a huge job, so you have to come on with some pretty huge tools. And one of the things that I know is there are certain oils, but not crude oils, they're actually essential oils that come from plants, and they have the ability to knock out um, all sorts of insects. So oils like thyme and oils like clove and peppermint and oregano, um, if in high concentrations, uh, these beetles will respond to in a very adverse manner, meaning the beetles will, will be gone. But they would take a lot of essential oil to cover whole sides of mountains. It's not just a few little bottles. Well, I'm sure it's a lot cheaper than what we'll be losing. Well, it, it's, an, it's an answer and it's a solution, and um, it sure be nice to... It's, it's what saved here in Minnesota. It's one of the things that saved a lot of the raptor birds when West Nile virus was going through. Um, we, we lost a lot of raptor birds, and a couple of the raptor recovery centers started to use these oils like oregano and clove and thyme and a few others that I work with and actually saved every single raptor bird that got West Nile virus um, with these oils. So. so West Nile virus is another one of the lies, right? Well, it, it, it was serious, but uh, the bird flu is actually a current lie, and, and uh, that, that's a big overblown one by the media, the bird flu. So <laughs> You can see, Willie, there's this tons of stuff going on here. Um, Debbie Ringchop, our doctor for money, um, is there any particular relevant thing that you would like to say to um, Willie or engage him in? Well, actually, yeah, this, um, this is Debbie Ringchop. I'm your doctor for money, and... 
uh, a couple weeks ago I was talking with Larry Hagman regarding the um, some of the things that you can do for efficient energy efficient products in your home. And one of the topics there, um, the Clean Air Act in 1990 actually has started to eliminate certain products. And the one that is uh, one that I started to talk about, Freon, which is used in our air conditioner systems and refrigerators and things of that sort, air conditioners and heating systems, there is a better uh, type of a gas. It's called Puron by brand name, but it's actually R410A. Anyway, that is being used and phased in in trying to eliminate this. The Freon are also called R22 to get that out of the out of our um, environment. So anybody that's got the older air conditioner systems, as of 2006, no one can actually um, all the new construction, new materials being made are all using the new um, gases, and they're supposed to start using the. Um, I think it's called a SEER factor, and that's SEER just means seasonal energy efficiency rating. And as of 2006, it's a minimum rating of 13, and most equipment out there is only an 8. So we're trying to really see a lot of changes going on, which is cool. And in 2010, no new old R22 equipment can actually be purchased or built anymore. So anybody that doesn't convert over sometime in the next um, couple of years, it's going to start seeing maintenance costs on their air conditioners and heating systems start to skyrocket because the availability of creating this R22 or Freon, that's, it's going to be reducing, which means the amount of availability is less, i.e. prices go higher. So I just want to recommend that as a doctor for money, you know, start thinking about it. It may sound like it costs a lot now, but just look at how much it's going to cost you later if you have any kind of a problem. You want to start looking at, if you have a problem with your air conditioner, upgrade now to at least a SEER 13 and also upgrade into the new Puron system. It requires a different um, gas line because it's higher pressure, and the old gas lines that are used for Freon are not strong enough. And um, just make sure, that's all, the main thing I wanted to make sure that people know that these other systems are, are good for the environment, Freon is actually terrible for our environment. It, it's eating up the ozone, whereas Puron is like its name, pure. Uh, it's not impacting the ozone layer at all. So that was Debbie Ringtop, your doctor for money, telling you to save, save our environment because if you want to live in our future, <laughs> uh, retirement's not going to be any fun if we don't have ourselves an ozone layer left behind. So uh, contact me or any of us at um, at our 800 number, it's radio, 866-RADIO-99, and I can be reached through email at debbie at wakingupinamerica.com. And hop right over to that website and check out wakingupinamerica.com. And make sure when you're there. Yeah, play Willie's song, too, while you're over there. And Save the prairies. Sing for us while you're over there. Do some really fine stuff like that. Gail Ellen, she's our editor for Beauty and the Arts. And um, Gail and I were talking about this morning, if we don't get this handled, what we were talking about this morning is is that beauty actually contains all of the things that we're talking about. It's it's the stewardship of the land. It's the, the making of things in proper alignment. It's the awareness that you're killing something or, making, or nurturing something. There's all kinds of things that beauty stands for. And we welcome Gail Ellen here today to do Beauty in the Arts and perhaps 
have a conversation with Willie on this. Absolutely, Val. Beauty is the umbrella of life and beauty in our thoughts and in our environment. And the the word beauty really is derived uh, through French to its Latin root of bonus, which means good. And it's the desire for beauty that is not only good and natural, but it is, in fact, one of the most divine attributes, and it's one of our sacred possessions. The greatest aspiration in life uh, is to uh, elevate ourselves to the highest state of physical, mental, and spiritual beauty, to certainly discover and draw out our uh, dormant levels of excellence and to become strong and attractive and magnetic. And the ability to cultivate and appreciate beauty greatly enhances one's ability to heal, uh, certainly like uh, Willie's music does at times, and enjoy life at every level. And the fulfillment derived from the enjoyment and creation of beauty seems to be unmatched by any of life's quests. So I I just think that... um, uh, the Navajo night chant that uh, I've heard, beauty before me I walk with, beauty behind me I walk with, beauty above me I walk with, beauty below me I walk with, and beauty all around me I walk with. So the art of daily life and beauty arising from living in harmony with the order of the universe and uh, doing what we have to do to keep our planet green and to and make the changes necessary and to, as Willie said, face up to reality. So it's Gail Ellen, your beauty and arts editor. There you are. Well, that's beautiful. I enjoyed every word of that. I love hearing you talk. That's a great, <laughs> great Thanks, thing Willie. you were saying. Well, one of the things, we're, we're a little teeny bit sad here today because uh, one of our, our, our editors has had to go on to other things, and his name is George, is George Ruchewski, and he does True Leadership. So, George, we're, we miss you today. I miss you very much, and I wanted to send a message to you. Um, just, I love you, and I hope you, your future is incredible, and you did outstanding work here on Waking Up in America, and um, we miss you, George. And I wanted, Debbie, to give you a chance to say a message to George, too. Thank you, Val. Yeah, George, he, George was an inspiration. He had such a way to dissect leadership into its simplest form so everyone could take part in their role as a true leader in their, their part of the world. And we're going to really, truly miss our friend, and he's a leader in his own, a true leader. We miss you, George. Yeah. Uh, Lisa. Yes. What do you have to say to George? Oh, I, I I liked the way he he uh, um, had great ideas on leadership and uh, was helped us become very focused. It was awesome. He did some he had some awesome input into our organization, so I appreciate it. And we're going to miss him. Sheree, yes. What'd you like to say to George? Well, one of the values that George gave to all of us is that being a leader doesn't necessarily mean you're the head of a company or the head of a household, or anything like that. What it really means is that you are a leader of your life, and what you do and how you do it influences others. And sometimes being a leader means not always being popular, or always doing what's popular, but doing what's right, because that one step may change the course for those that are around you. So, George, here's to you, my friend. We're going to miss you. Well, there you go. And Willie Nelson... Uh, this guy was a great guy, and um, I'm going to forward him a copy of the show. 
So. Well, yeah, and I, we wish George well wherever he goes, and uh, you know we're all in this thing together. So, in the last few minutes of the show here, Willie, I think what would, would be important is how could each of us in our lives be a steward of the planet? We all have different things that we're engaged in. We all have um, different conversations. Some people are working at home. Some people don't have anything much to do with cars or any of this such at all. So what are different ways that we can participate in becoming good stewards of our planet and changing this whole thing around? I actually got an email, Willie, from uh, the electric company saying that if, if Americans changed 100-watt light bulb to a 30-watt watt light bulb, the, um, the electrical um, shortages would be would disappear, and the hydrocarbons that go into the atmosphere would drop significantly. Have you heard anything about that? Well, I haven't heard anything about that, but that certainly makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, when we went from uh, candlelight to all the electricity we have now, it seems like dropping back a little bit in wattage is not too much of a sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely, and one of the ways you can actually do that, and I've already started it here at the house because I have an office at the house and other rooms that had some pretty high-powered electricity, and I'm going through and putting in fluorescent lighting in all the office spaces. And by the way, as an interesting aside, my electric bill dropped by 30%. Uh-huh. I did this. I was astounded. Hey, Val, I've got people actually calling my office with questions for Willie, one of which is the biodiesel and cold weather. How does it work in really cold weather, like up in the northern states? Well, in the uh, in the northern states, the drivers recommend. Uh, I'm talking about the people who drive it and use it. They say use a blend, like there's a, a B20 that uh, they recommend, which is 80% diesel, 20% biodiesel, and that has an uh, also a positive effect on reducing the NOx in the atmosphere. Uh, and uh, you can uh, the sulfur, yeah, and, and you can uh, also uh, at the same time. Uh, be helping the farmer and the environment along the way just by using 20%. And it will gel up on you in cold weather, and they're still working day and night trying to figure out ways to uh, uh, to keep it from doing that. Once they achieve that one, then it's, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. Literally, uh, we'll start flying our airplanes in it. Well, it seems no to me that the blend that, that could be the answer to that, huh? Excuse me? Well, couldn't the blend... Oh, the blend, yeah, is definitely the answer to it on the ground. And, uh, there's, you know, there's always a blend that will fit whatever temperature there is. And, uh, uh, it's not unlikely that, you know, we'll see all the states uh, using some sort of blend. But the northern states will use a higher blend because it's just necessary. Well, it's interesting because what I'm thinking is it's really going to take some, we're going to need to get some governors. And somebody called me and talked to me about Kinky Friedman. And you said you knew him, and I understand he's running for governor of Texas, and he could be the first economics governor. What do you know about Kinky? Well, I know him very well. I've known him many years. Uh, we're, uh, we work shows together and recorded together. In fact, I uh, produced an album on Kinky one time called They Don't Make Jews Like Jesus Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, anyway, he's a great guy, and he's uh, honest. Uh, I'll say that about him. And uh, uh, if he's elected, he'll do a good job. And he's very much in favor of alternative energies, and and also in uh, uh, the uh, immigration factor down there. He has some ideas on that. He also has some ideas on health and education in the state of Texas. So I, I highly recommend people check out his website. Okay, sounds good. 
Um, also, I'm wondering, you know, people who know me are going, you're mentioning Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, I am, because I've been a known Democrat, but I've been a Republican in my past as well, too, and what I tend to go for is the person I think that can get the job done. And there you go. The job that needs to be done in California is environmental as much as anything else, and I, I was paying attention when when um, Arnold turned his car into a, a hydrogen Hummer, okay? Mm-hmm. And I paid attention when he's done other things, and I'm wondering, you know, where... Do you know anything about him or... Uh, I've I don't know. All I know about him is I like what I see. He he uh, is pretty much a truthful guy, and he's coming from an area where uh, you know he could lie real well, and we wouldn't know it. He's an actor, so. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so I, I like him, and uh, I think he's got some good ideas on the environment, on immigration, and I'm looking forward to uh, meeting him one day. You know what I'm thinking? I'd like to know how much those cars are. Do the, does the price in these bio vehicles change with price? You said you had a Mercedes. The, a no, it's the same car. I have a Mercedes, but the price of my Mercedes, I, I know the Mercedes people when I, uh, I first bought it right off the factory and had it shipped over, and uh, uh, first thing I did was uh, fill it up with biodiesel with vegetable oil come from the grease traps of Maui. So I know the Mercedes people were a little nervous, and uh, they, they were worried about, well, what are we going to say to Willie if his car blows up for whatever reason? It's going to look like it was because it was the biodiesel or the vegetable oil. But so far, and I recommend it highly to everybody, but that Mercedes it drives good. Uh, it gets better gas mileage. And uh, anybody who has uh, a diesel, they ought to just put some vegetable oil in there, some biodiesel. Try it out. That's good. Listen, I want to continue a thought here because I had an idea when you were talking, and we were talking when we were talking about Kim, Kinky, and we were talking about Arnold. Is right. there some way we could get to the a conference of governors or something, and and enroll the governors in all this? I'd like to. How would we do that? Just start thinking about it. You've got some good ideas already, so let's figure it out. Okay, I, I want to talk to you about this because, first of all, I know that the governors are feeling disenfranchised right now. Mm-hmm. I, I read some of that in the L.A. Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's um, legislation where the federal government wants to take over a lot of stuff that the governors were doing, and I think that the governors could be a powerful center for this. I do, too. I like that. What do you think about that? Anybody else on the team? We've got two minutes left, so go for it, you guys. Gail. Hello. Attending a conference of governors. Yes. Well, How do you we know what? Governors. We could definitely start one and start inviting people. You think we could do that, Willie? Well, yeah, I think it's a great idea. We'll figure out where's the best place to have it, and maybe L.A. is the place. I don't know. Uh, they got some great venues out there. Uh, I'm playing L.A., by the way, three days over at Hollywood Bowl in September, so maybe I'll come by and we'll say hello. What date in September will you be at the bowl? Eight, nine, and ten. Eight, nine, and ten. Next week. Next week. That's next week. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'm working with my good buddy uh, David Campbell. He and I did a whole album together with uh, a lot of the uh, L.A. Symphony and uh, classical musicians there. So we'll be doing some of those songs also on the show. Oh, that's great! Wow. I was just at the bowl on Saturday night. It's perfect. Wow! An extraordinary place. Can we hook up with you at the bowl? Yeah, and uh, that'll be easy. You got my number, and just call me and let me know where you are and what you need, and I'll take care of it. Got it. So we'll do that. And in the meantime, we're going to be working with um, 
uh, Linda Gray and a number of people from Dennis Weaver's group, you know, formally to right. create a fundraiser for Colonomics, which is a good thing. It's a lot of very powerful. Yeah, and I think it all fits together. I do too. Thanks a lot, Willie. All right, Val. See y'all later. Bye bye. Right, nice Willie. talking to you. Okay. You're not crazy anymore. Oh my God. You've been waiting at the I just say thank you to everybody. Thank you all for being here today. This by editors on air, our radio partners, ConeyCompany.com, to James Murphy and Memoriam, today's guest, Willie Nelson, America, and to Ben Mygan, for almost ordinary people, guide us friends to listen and become steward now of your home, of your heart, of your family, of your state, of your world. Love you and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com. Hear the music.